But Yahweh says, I am coming after you. He's going to kick them all down. My God's in control. He has a solution. The eternal, everlasting, omnipotent God that we serve, who created us, flung all the stars into place and named them. He's in control. That's who I serve. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the living God, enduring forever. Your kingdom has no end. Your dominion is forever. We thank you this morning that we have another source of information. It's not the headlines of the New York Daily News, the Washington Post, Yahoo, or any Internet source. It's our living word. We thank you for the truth of what we have in our hands, the word of life. From beginning to end, may it be established, Lord. We praise you today for your mighty plan, your mighty spirit, your power that resides in us. We bless you today. Be released, Spirit of God, to move among us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. share three scriptures with you to kind of put a framework around uh, this. John 1.12 But as many as received him, as many as received him, I think that includes us, to them he gave the right, the power, the authority to become children of God. Even to, to those who believe in his name. Do you believe in his name? Then you have something. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Franklin and Cullowee and Dillsboro, Silva, Murphy, Kuala Boundary, Jerusalem, to the remotest parts of North Carolina. That's not exactly what it says, but I think it means that. Ephesians 5.17 Do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even to God the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The title of this message is Something Under the Hood. 
And I want to talk about cars. I'm not talking about the movie cars, although I have seen it and it's a nice movie. I like it. But cars in general, I want to make the analogy that cars are like humans. I was born in North Wilkesboro. That's North Carolina. And I am proudly mountain bred and cornbread fed. (laughs) I've attended many NASCAR races at the old North Wilkesboro Speedway when I was growing up. And somewhere at the house I have autographs of Richard Petty, Fred Lorenzen, my favorite driver, Fireball Roberts, Buck Baker, Buddy Baker, David Pearson, Lee Petty, uh, many others. I went to the doctor the other day and uh, she said, you're, you're getting older. Do you, you still have all your faculties about you? Can you name the seasons? I said, well, I think so. Baseball, football, basketball, and (laughs) racing. And she looked at me a little funny. She said, well, can you count to ten? I said, well, I certainly. Donnie, Rusty, Dale, Sterling, Terry, David, Mark, Alan, Dale Jr., Bill, Ricky, Fireball, Richard. I can count. And yes, I am on a first-name basis with those guys. The first 45 RPM record that I remember owning was written by Carl Chikiki and recorded by the Playmates in 1958. Maybe you know it. While riding in my Cadillac... Much to my surprise, a little Nash Rambler was following me, about one-third my size. The guy must have wanted to pass me up as he kept on honking his horn. I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a car to scorn. Beep, 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 beep. His horn went beep, beep, beep. I pushed my foot down to the floor to give the guy the shake. But the little Nash Rambler stayed right behind. He still had on his brake. He must have thought his car had more guts as he kept on tooting his horn. I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a car to scorn. My car went into passing gear and we took off with dust. And soon we were doing ninety. Must have left him in the dust. When I peeked in the mirror of my car, I couldn't believe my eyes. The little Nash Rambler was right behind. You'd think that guy could fly. 
<laughs> I got backup singers. <clears throat> Y'all need to get up and do the movements or something like the soul groups do or something. Now we're doing 110. I was certainly a, it was certainly a race. For a rambler to pass a caddy would be a big disgrace. For the guy who wanted to pass me by, he kept on tuning his horn. I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a car to scorn. Now we're doing 120 as fast as I could go. The rambler pulled alongside of me as if I were going slow. The fellow rolled down his window and yelled at me too. Here? Hey, buddy, how can I get this car to second gear? <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Well, there you go. At some point in our lives, all of us will have the pleasure of buying a car. Some of you found one on Craigslist and driven or flown hundreds of miles across the country to obtain it. So you walk around it, you touch it, you get in it, you kick the tires, and then at some point you're hopefully going to open the hood. And the real question is, will this thing run? Is there something under the hood? Is there power enough to get me where I need to go? You can't trust pictures on Craigslist. Do they even have pictures of the hood open? On race day, all the cars look good. They've got all the decals, the new tires. They're smooth and sleek. Their names on the hood. They're beautiful color schemes. And then the green flag drops. Many cars zoom out to the front and burn up the track only to fall off the pace. You see, if you're going to make it to the end of the race, you need longevity. You need ongoing amounts of horsepower that are going to get you to the end. And if we're going to live this life that God's called us to live, we need power. But it's not horsepower. It's spirit power. Too many of us seem to coast along on seven cylinders, spending our lives being lapped, groaning, complaining, griping, moaning, constantly controlled by circumstances, living from one problem, one crisis to the next, living under the circumstances instead of above them. But there's another way. You can run with the leaders. You can hit on all eight cylinders. A hundred percent of the time. We're close to it. <clears throat> Jesus said the gates of hell itself will not prevail against my church. I don't care what they do about the abortion laws. I mean, I do care, but God is in control. He's going to have his way. And one day, people will know it. 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're called, destined, purposed to be what Jesus says we are. Overcomers. Prevailers. Triumphant. And today, God wants to empower us. To put something under my hood. That someone, the mighty Holy Spirit. Now, let's take a look at a couple of people who were Nash Ramblers amongst a bunch of Cadillacs. Daniel, chapter 6. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom so that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one. That these satraps, or governors, might be accountable to them, and the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners, because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. So these men said, We can't find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him in regard to the law of his God. So they came by agreement to the king and said, King Darius, all of us, prefects, satraps, officials, governors, have consulted that you should establish a statute and enforce an injunction That anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. So Darius passed such a law. Daniel was running with the leaders. He was distinguishing himself. Because of his spirit, the power within him. He had some kind of fuel injection or something that that caused the others to become jealous and seek to put him out of the race. Munster, go home. One of the greatest scriptures in all of the Bible is verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document was signed, When he knew it was signed, he entered his house and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. When he knew it was signed, what did the document say? You disobey this law, you're going in the lion's den. (laughs) Daniel had a decision to make. 
Am I going to compromise in order to save my life? Am I going to let someone else take the lead and be content to run on seven cylinders for the rest of this race? Am I happy just to finish somewhere? Or am I going to put the pedal to the metal and keep on charging ahead just as I've been doing? Maybe you think he didn't value his life. I say he valued it more than ever because he knew who he was connected to. He didn't pull down the shade. He didn't try to hide his light under the bushel. When he knew it was signed, he immediately went and kept doing it. Defying the law of the land. There's a higher law we must obey. Verse 11 says they thronged around him. All these men were watching to see him, to catch him. They thronged around him. I can visualize Daniel trying not to see if they were there. But the noise that they were making as they thronged around and talking, oh, there he is. You know, we've got him now. Daniel kept on. He never wavered. He never hesitated. While the satraps and commissioners, we've got him now. We've got him now. They cackled. They laughed. You know the story. They go to the king. They point out what Daniel's doing. He feels a little bad about it. I guess he didn't think Daniel would do this. Or maybe he didn't remember Daniel. I don't see how he couldn't have remembered him. But anyway, king's word's the king's word. Into the lion's den he must go. So they put Daniel in with these lions. <clears throat> but you know, the lions only thought they had power. The governors, the satraps, the commissioners, they only thought they had power. And when Daniel was put in with the lions... Not only did they burn a cylinder, they blew their engines. Daniel had something under his hood. There have been times that I've been among some of God's people who were so in touch with the Father, so empowered by God, so spirit-led, that I felt like a, a lion in a den full of Daniels. You can be a Daniel. God's no respecter of persons. He loves you the same amount that he loved him. The same. No more. No less. Only the supernatural power of Almighty God enables a man to keep on praying when he knows the king has signed his death warrant. Only a a hood full of Holy Ghost power causes a man to throw open the windows and effect, in effect, say to the kings, no law can stop me from talking to my God. Nothing you can do to me.
can make me compromise. You can't touch me because I belong to him. My life is hid with Christ in God. Beat me. Kick me. Pull out my eyes. Cut off my legs. Feed me to the lions. Do your worst. You can't take my life. Because I have a father who lets nothing touch me that doesn't come through him. And all I do is to his glory. Whether I live or whether I die, it's to his glory. You've got to have something under the hood to look a head-on demolition in the teeth and come out still in the lead. For he is the living God, enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He delivers. He rescues. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who delivered Daniel from the power of the lions is the same God who delivers you and me. And will deliver us. And will keep on delivering us. From every circumstance. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them because the people people held them in high esteem. And all the more... Believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. But the high priest rose up along with his associates, and they were filled with jealousy. And they laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But an angel of the Lord during the night opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go your way. Stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Here's Peter, who had so much of something under his hood that even his shadow was falling on people and they were being healed. Can you? I can't grasp that. So much of the Holy Spirit in him. It was a great time of charismatic renewal. What a time to be alive and witness these things. (laughs) Can you see the headlines in the papers? 
shadow falls on people, they are healed. Really? My goodness. Great time. God moving in power. But then the high priest and his associates, just like Daniel's commissioner friends, grew jealous of these cars. And they laid their hands on them to open up the hood and inspect them. They impounded them. It's a NASCAR word. They impounded the apostles in the garage with bars. But they forgot to take the car keys. And during the night, those engines started humming. And an angel of God heard the motor and flew down and opened the gates. And the apostles left that pit stop, still in the lead lap. Peter said, try and put us out of the race, if you will. For we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. For our God raised up his son Jesus when you killed him on a cross. I'm paraphrasing the next part. And he exalted him to his right hand as Prince and Savior. And we are his vehicles, his witnesses. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God puts under the hood of all who obey him. They had no lion's den, but they were going to kill them anyway and would have except for the advice of Gamaliel. So they flogged them told them to speak no more in the name of this Jesus, and released them. (laughs) But it didn't do any good. For they went their way rejoicing after being flogged. Rejoicing in the pain of the whip. Rejoicing. And they went right on with greater determination and stronger conviction. Teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ. And I say to you and to us all, yes, John, an hour is coming when we will have to decide whether we will continue to obey God rather than man's laws. What was in the hearts of these men? who just three short years before had never heard the name of Jesus Christ until he called them together, this motley, uneducated crew. What had happened to them as they walked and talked with this one they called Rabbi? What had they found as they watched all their hopes and dreams die at Golgotha? What had they experienced as they received his forgiveness when he rose from the grave. Jesus said, I wait for what the Father has promised. For soon you shall be baptized with dunamis, dynamite, spirit power. And when he has come upon you and in you, your engines will be overhauled. For you shall receive high-octane power. 
the greatest in the world, in the universe. I am going to put something under your hood and send you into all the parts of the earth. And in my name, you will cast out demons. You will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus also said, if you think the things I've done are impressive, just wait until this power gets under your hood. You'll do greater things than I have done. That's what Jesus said, not me. The Bible goes on to tell us in the book of Hebrews of men and women who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, put foreign enemies to flight, received their dead back by resurrection, were tortured, mocked, scourged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, put to death, who walked about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, living in deserts, Mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. Paul says he was five times beaten with 39 lashes. Beaten with rods three times. Stoned. Shipwrecked three times. Spent the night in the ocean. He was in danger from... Robbers, thieves, friends, many nights without sleep in hunger and thirst, cold and naked. All for what? The sake of Jesus. Reading these things and hearing them makes my trivial pursuits and petty problems seem so very little. All of you, maybe, maybe many of you, all of you, have at one time or another held a sparkler in your hand. It's a little thing, you light it, and it... And it's alive and well, and it's so terrific for about 30 seconds. And then it's over. You put it down and maybe you got another one for another 30 seconds. Many of us are like that. We're in this blaze of glory for about 30 seconds. And then it's over. We draw a lot of attention. We can make a lot of flash and maybe even write our name so fast that someone could read it in the, in, the, in the air or something. Or make a number. It's not who leads the first lap who gets the victory. It's who's there at the end. Many sunsets have gone over the mountain. Many of us have much invested in this life. It's too late to turn back now. It's time to press on.
Press forward. Have you been running on seven cylinders? Was there a time when the things of God seemed to excite you far more than they do now? Are you kind of just going through the motions? Just getting up another day. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's Wednesday. Have things become so blasé that the things of God just don't seem that important to you anymore? Maybe you feel like you've gotten so far behind in this race that you've lost sight of the leaders and you're thinking, what's the use? It's too late. Well, it's time for a trip to the master mechanic. For a spiritual tune-up from Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how long you've sputtered or sparkled. Today, God desires to empower you. Be filled with the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. To live as Daniel, to live as Peter, to live this supernatural life of overcoming, prevailing, and triumph requires what the Father has to give us, supernatural power. I won't be able to stand before the government one day when they say you must obey this law unless I have something significant, something extraordinary in me. I'll cave in. I will deny the Lord thrice before the cock crows. I will deny the Lord thrice before the cock crows once, probably, if I don't have something under my hood. Some extraordinary spirit, the mighty Holy Spirit of God, who Jesus promised to fill us with and delights to do so. So this morning, I'm asking you to do as Daniel did, to take a self-examination and decide in this moment, what do I need? What do I want to be? Who am I? Where have I come from? It doesn't matter who your parents were, if they were just ordinary Super ordinary. Doesn't matter where you've come from. What matters is you belong to Jesus. It's all that matters. All that matters. All that's past doesn't matter. He wants to fill each and every one of us to the brink from the inside out. Father, we come before you. In the strong, mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, today. Lord, examine me. Examine me now, right now. I I open myself to you.
Holy Spirit, take inventory of me. And I say to you, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to know you. I want to be full of your spirit. If I've leaked out, refill me in this moment. Refill me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome here. You are desirous here, Lord. We recognize that this life can't be lived apart from you. So fill us, Lord. Fill us completely from the youngest to the oldest. We submit our lives to you, Lord. And we yield to your spirit, Lord God. I challenge each of you to pray that. Each of you, right where you sit. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Fill me, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for faith. Thank you for hearing us, hearing our cry, our plea. Thank you for answering. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that we're born again by your spirit and we live by your spirit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this life. Thank you for the days ahead. Thank you, Father, that you're going to take us and are taking us above our circumstances. Because your will for our lives is for us to prevail, to be triumphant, to be overcomers. Thank you for the Mighty working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The wonder working power. Indeed, there's power in the blood. And that's what I want in my life. That power, Lord. Power to live. Power to walk in holiness. Power to resist sin. Power to be like Jesus. Power to be your witness. To be as Daniel and Peter. And all the other saints, Lord. To be like Jesus. This hope possesses me. And every thought indeed. This is my aim. My plea. 
to be like Jesus. This hope possesses me. The Spirit helping me. Like Him I'll be. We worship you this morning, Lord. We worship you. We bless you. We praise your mighty name. We exalt you, Lord God. We exalt you in this place. Mighty is our God. We bless you today, Father. We bless you today, Lord. Lord, we lay it all at the foot of the cross. Every need, every situation, every circumstance, Lord. We reach out to you as our deliverer, our hope, our steadfast rock. And we receive you, Lord. We receive deliverance, forgiveness, freedom today. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.